I would like to introduce our amazing speaker today. I hope um, some of you had time to listen to the interview I did with the last year, and if not, we'll send it again on our newsletter. So Kristin Kelberg is the number one expat health coach on the Côte d'Azur in France. And she's also the most highly experienced nutritional therapist with a bachelor's in nutritional therapy and a master's in personalized nutrition. And she's been a fitness coach for over 25 years. And if you read her bio, she did have various health issues, which then led her on to her health and wellness journey to make her the amazing healer she is today. And she's dedicated her life now to help people to take control of their health journey and help them on their pathway. Christine is also a health writer for Riviera Insider magazine, and we're lucky to have the editor with us today, Nicole Ruskell. And she's also the health um, nutritional therapist for Mimosa Matters who do wonderful work with helping people become aware of cancer. And we have Camilla Trevelli with us today who's part of that team. So without further ado, please welcome Christine Kelberg to our Be Here Now Ladies lunchtime talk. So thank you for having me, Beverly. Pleasure. Um, I know from speaking to you earlier, you don't talk much about your past, but <laughs> because diet and um, eating disorders have become a huge problem since the lockdown and the pandemic. And I know lots of children, you know, that are exercising and going through emotional issues have suffered with anorexia or bulimia which you did yourself when you were a young child becoming a ballet dancer. And I've seen so many clients myself suffering with that. And it's not mm. just the child, it's the whole family that's involved, especially if you're representing a club or your national country. So could you tell us a little bit about your background before um, going to your journey now? <laughs> yes, I think, um, the eating disorders came as a result of one trying to suit a certain model, which was very much um, around at the time that I was training in dance. You had to be a certain height and a certain size. And thank goodness that that has changed now, where you can see some lovely top dancers that are not set into this um, format that was around at that time. Um, so giving my age away, I am, <laughs> I am 50, so it's some time ago. Um, um, but yes, it's, it's made me, I knew it was something I felt I, I was, didn't have control of at the time, but I actually went to see a nutritionist in my teens. Um, and it was the nutritionist that helped me overcome my problems. Whereas everyone else was saying, you need to go and see a psychologist. And I'm sure that, you know, they may have also had things that they could help me with, but it was actually understanding 
the role that food plays in supporting the body that was the um, support system for pulling me out of where I was um, and on the road to recovery. So, um, yeah, it seems a long time ago now, but I suppose the bulimia only stopped when I was 25. So it's only, well, it's just 25 years ago, but still, <laughs> it's, yeah. um, it's not that long ago. I actually think bulimia can sometimes be harder to break free from than anorexia. And I actually think there is a lot more support around for anorexia than there is bulimia. And there are a lot of silent bulimics out there. Wow. And um, so. what did it actually feel when you were going through that? Because you had a lot of pressure to dance and yeah. be a perfectionist. And at the same time, obviously, you must have had a lot of brain fog and things mm. like that, you know, because when people are constantly vomiting or yeah. vomiting in binges, you know, it can affect our mind and memory and so forth. Yeah, I, um, I remember feeling lonely, but that's also because I couldn't really speak to someone else apart from the nutritionist about everything else that was raging inside me. Um, but apart from the loneliness, I was still, you know, involved in teams and a lot of things at school. I was a doer and very, very active. So I had... I was still involved with people in a way, but lonely on the inside, although I looked as though I was quite popular and busy <laughs> on the outside. So, um, so that was, it was a tricky time. I'm very glad to have moved past that now. <laughs> well, having been in Australia for a while, you know, even mm. if they're locked down for a short while, obviously Melbourne got locked down for much longer. I mm. know just that's like a trauma in itself because you mentioned loneliness and a lot of people were experiencing loneliness during lockdown and it was interesting to find how many people were turning you know because a lot of children today just use um, their mobile phones to text people and texting is more common than actually speaking to someone and mm. I, from my experience people are now just calling one another and having FaceTime and They've been longing because they're so lonely just to have the comfort of hearing someone's voice. So mm -hmm. when they actually see them. And um, I was just wondering if you've got some tips with people for that and obviously for the traumas going through, you went through when you were trying to get pregnant and all the cysts on your ovaries and things. Hmm. I think it's basically finding someone and it doesn't have to be a friend or someone in the family, but just someone that you can reach out to um, that is non-judgmental, that would just lend an ear. Um, for me, I mean, this is obviously pre, way pre-pandemic time, but hugs are so therapeutic. Yeah. Um, and obviously we've moved away from that and I'm just hoping hugs come back in again because um, it's quite frightening that they seem to have completely disappeared. And even seeing friends, you just don't go to give them a hug anymore. 
which that was completely knocked myself back from doing that. But that is, I think, very therapeutic. So it's just the feeling that you can open up and speak to someone. And when the time comes that we can be a little bit more tactile again, because I do think that helps. Oh, absolutely. And hugs, as probably everybody knows, when you hug someone, you release mm -hmm. the happy hormones, the serotonin and the oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And it's also like random acts of kindness. You release the same hormones. And it's not just the person doing the act of kindness, it's the receiver and anybody who witnesses as well. So anyway, today we're here to learn about um, tips from you about how we can tell if our immune system is low, if we have a problem with it. There are some, some more common symptoms. So you might get symptoms. I think symptoms in the body are chemical messengers or, that are sent out to us that we have to listen to. And the most common ones are things like constipation, bloating, sore throats, and then getting frequent colds or, you know, frequent runny noses and things like that. That's a sign that something is up and you need to either try and work out why that has happened or do some exploration. And you can do some explorations through the local GP. Certainly in France, they actually can put you through quite a broad panel. And there is a complete blood count, which will explore the white blood cells within the body and give you a reading of what that may look like. And it's the white blood cells that are used to fight um, infection in the body. So that's a standard test. But probably the one that I would um, push, not physically push you, but suggest to most people to do, and that's even though we live, most of us, in a sunny area, is to get your vitamin D levels checked twice a year. I would say at the end of the spring, which is when your vitamin D levels would be at their lowest, and early autumn, when they should be at their highest. And get them measured and have a look at the results. Now, the GP markers here in France would say that anything over 30 is fine. But for optimal health, I would suggest that a reading closest to 100 is much better, sometimes even higher. The standard medical requirements are much lower, but that doesn't mean it's supporting your immune system. It just means that you're not likely to get rickets, for example, the soft bones. Um, so that would be another test that I would suggest. Um, there are more advanced tests. A lot of people seem to have gut issues. And within the gut, within the gut lining, you have 70 to 80% of your immune system. So you have what's called the gut-associated lymphoid tissue and the mucosal-associated lymphoid tissue, which is GALT and MALT for short. And um, so 75 to 80% of your immune system sit there and then supported by 100 trillion bacteria that are also within the gut. So the, the gut bacteria are there for a reason. You want a nice diverse range of gut bacteria. They are there to um, release toxins that will actually kill off any pathogens, so kill off bacteria and infection that shouldn't be there. 
So um, everything, when people take antibiotics and then start killing off their gut bacteria, it will, it will come back, but it will never be the same as it was before. So you really, really want to work at supporting your gut bacteria and um, also the lining of the gut. So within that lining of the gut is 70 to 80% of your immune system. And that is there to stop. It's like in the lining of your nose um, and in your vaginal regions as well, you have a mucus and it's a protective barrier to stop things getting into the bloodstream that shouldn't get into the bloodstream. Um, tests for the gut are normally done privately and they're at a bigger expense. There are some functional um, GPs around. Um, I do believe in Nice and Cannes as well, in, down here that there are some around that may be able to run those tests for you, but otherwise they would have to be paid for privately. But if someone is suffering from certain things and it's repetitive, I do think it's money well given out. Um, so that they would be the tests that I would basically look for or assess with someone. Okay, great. And I know um, that in France, because you mentioned about the vitamin D, you can actually walk into a pathology lab without a script and yeah. ask for the test because I've done it myself. And mm -hmm. it is alarming because I think most of us, even though we live in a warm country, many of us stay indoors through work and so forth, or because we don't want to be out in the harsh sun rays. And it's so important um, to get a bit of natural vitamin D from the sun or because people, um, as you know, vitamin D is really a hormone and the sun just um, stimulates the body's responses to produce it so but low vitamin d levels can also be a sign of inflammation happening within the body yeah so not everyone is able to convert also the sunlight that actually hits their skin and goes into the body into the active form of vitamin d um, um, and especially those that are low in magnesium um, and even calcium the three things work together uh, so that's why, you know, we have to think of things in a synergetic way rather than taking individual things out. And even too much sugar, which suppresses the immune system generally, can lower vitamin D levels. Right. So the symptoms you gave earlier, bloating and um, constipation, constipation, you know, a lot of people can get that from um, poor diet as well. So yeah, exactly a, low fiber. Yeah. So are there any foods that you recommend people should be eating on a daily basis, for example, or weekly? I don't like to push people to say you have to eat such and such. I okay. just say to people eat um, a broad range of fruit and vegetables. Try and get at least 30 different types in a week, if not more. Um, Look, so look at diversity, and that can even be, be using the carrot tops in a stew. So using the whole of the food, because every different part of the food, so the carrot compared to the carrot top will have what's called different antioxidants in them. So these are plant chemicals that help uh, strengthen the body, 
and help fight against free radical damage because we have um, we're oxidizing the whole time we're producing free radicals the whole time and to counter out counteract the balance of damage from the free radicals we need enough antioxidants to keep us super strong so by eating as many different plant foods as possible you'll be getting a diverse array of antioxidants in as well now we've only touched the top of the iceberg with identifying um, how many plant chemicals there are so for instance i think it's something around 2000 have been identified but they think there are several hundreds of thousands out there and we you know this is quite new research that's happening so it's going to be a there's going to be a lot more information coming out in the future on this wow so so fiber is a big one and um i don't necessarily feel it's as big a problem in europe as it is in other countries such as the united states but I do know in the United States that the most men and women are not meeting the basic requirements on their fiber consumption. Um, and, you know, we're talking of something like 28 grams for women and 32 to 34 for men. Ideally, we want it to be much more than that. We want it to be 40 grams plus. So, wow. you know, making sure we even throw leaves into a smoothie um getting as many different salads in opening beans chickpeas peas lentils anything they're all plant foods um including yeah. those where you can but just making sure you explore and we we often like to, we often get stuck in a rut and eat the same things yeah. week in week out i mean certainly when we've been stuck in a pandemic and not been able to go out anywhere we've been eating the same things if you can force yourself to pick up a couple of different things in the supermarket each week that you would otherwise not normally go for you would be supporting your gut bacteria your gut bacteria feeds off the fiber wonderful certainly the good bacteria feeds off the fiber and will grow and will then support the immune system and um, you mentioned probiotics as well. Probiotics. Did you or maybe? No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> maybe you were hoping I would. <laughs> uh, what's your view on probiotics? Because I know when people have gut issues, a lot of people talk about probiotics. But even here in Australia, they um, promote the sauerkraut bread. You know, I'm missing the bread, even though I know it's not. 100% good for you, craving the delicious breads in France. Um, yeah. You know, in France, every meal that you go to, there's always bread on the table. It's a Mediterranean way. But here you've got to ask for bread. And um, the, the biggest thing now is putting sauerkraut bread and sourdough um, to promote the um, probiotics in, in your intestines which is better so my view is if you you are prescribed antibiotics because you need to kill an infection then you should always have probiotics you never take them at the same time because you don't want to counter out counteract the effects of the antibiotic you want the antibiotic to work and do its job but you also want to support the gut so you would have to take them several hours apart from each other but probiotics are transient, which means they don't stay within the gut. They do their job as and when you take them. The best way is through food. So that is by having a 
tablespoon of sauerkraut or having some kimchi or having some kombuchas, which are fermented, would actually help support the gut, but so does fruits and vegetables in any way or form. So back to those. <laughs> um, but probiotics do have, their, do have their place. But I think prebiotics, which are the, the foods that feed the natural gut bacteria. So that would be in things like potatoes and artichokes and things like that. They are the ones that are harder to break down. They are almost, they have a bigger role to play than probiotics. Cool. Uh, and it's like Hi Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Yeah. So I did write um, an article for the Riviera Insider on the difference between probiotics and prebiotics. And if people are interested, they can read that on my website because all the articles I've written are actually on there. Oh, There's also one on the immune system. Maybe we can share it on our next um, newsletter. And mm -hmm. as you know, I'm an avid follower of you. And I read on um, Instagram, I saw the acronym called STEMS. And um, I think that sums up very clearly everything that you've said um, quite nicely. So perhaps you could explain to the ladies what this acronym stands for. Yeah, so sense for me was a, well, you having a bit of common sense was the way um, I think is easiest to think of in supporting health. So the first S stands for sleep. Um, I'm hoping my next article, Riviera Insider, is going to be on this topic. But in short, what sleep is highly important. Sleep is... Um, if it's neglected, we get sick. We may not feel it at first, but if we keep neglecting, we are not supporting our bodies at all. And many people see sleep as a cost rather than an investment. They think it's stealing time away from them, but actually it's doing so much more. It's, you were talking about your lymphatic system and we need an effective lymphatic system, as you know, to get rid of you have your lymphatic system. Now the glyphs, the toxins, so all single day are then released into the fluid within the brain and then get rounded into nodes in the neck where they then enter the, um, the um, sea. That all happens while you sleep. And so if people are neglecting their sleep, they're neglecting the possibility to actually get rid of these toxins. And as we know, Parkinson's are on the increase and you can't help consider, you know, have these people also neglected their sleep? If not neglected, have they had problems sleeping? And if so, that needs to be addressed. So sleep is really, really important. Um, the E stands for exercise. And we don't want exercise to be extreme but it's extremely important, um, or it's what is extremely important is keeping our muscles strong. So we want to aim to do something that maintains or builds muscle mass because muscle is actually an immuno immunological <laughs> active mm -hmm. tissue. It's quite a hard word to say. So um, as we age, the muscles tend to shrink, get smaller, and we get a smaller muscle mass, but then that's gonna have a knock-on effect on the immune system. So we need to maintain or try and rebuild this by doing some resistance work, 
And this can be using your own body. It can be squats, just standing up and sitting down without touching your bottom on your seat and doing that if you're sat, sat working at your computer most of the day, doing that several times a day will work your thighs and your glutes. Um, doing some press-ups off the wall will work your chest and your arms, but it's just maintaining that muscle mass, which is so important again for your health. And then of course the N is gonna stand for nutrition. <laughs> And as I said, that will encompass the fruits and the vegetables and the antioxidants in a big way. Um, and if we want to link nutrition back to sleep, so my tip would be um, try two kiwis. <laughs> two kiwis are good in the evening. They have actually been shown in research to help promote sleep. Oh, really? That's, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, magnesium is another um mineral that everyone seems to well everyone 90 percent of people seem to be deficient in magnesium because the two go hand in hand um so magnesium will be something else but green leafy vegetables getting plenty of those you'll get your magnesium and dark chocolate yeah. <laughs> but there's a little of a caveat <laughs> dark dark chocolate is also very rich in caffeine so if you are one of those people whose sleep is affected by caffeine you want to make sure you are not, are not having your dark chocolate too late on in the day. Um, a cool room is a must. And I think, you know, women generally, as we get to a certain age, we tend to produce quite a lot of heat. Mm -hmm. um, so making sure you go to bed in, in, a, in a room that's been cooled down beforehand is a very, very good tip. Um, but also I find women really suffer with cold hands and cold feet. So... Yeah, well, it's often due to thyroid issues as well. And the thyroid gets impacted when our estrogen levels fall. Well, I, we had this conversation with a few women recently, all mm. ages, and everybody was saying how they sleep with the sheet or the quilt, and usually the husband's naked next to them with nothing over them. Yeah. And <laughs> I was wondering, you know, your view on that, but... So you're thinking it's mainly because of the estrogen? It's very hormonal. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And men don't have the same fluctuations in hormones as women do. So that's in it. It's, it's too broad and it would go way beyond the scope of this talk today to start yeah. going into thyroid and estrogens and progesterone and all those kind of things which influence. But yeah. the thyroid is a big one when it comes to our metabolism and regulating our body temperature and that is so affected as well by hormones and also by stress yes. so um and women tend to i don't say we have more stress that is wrong but we tend to maybe be more sensitive to it or appear more sensitive to it that's a very broad generalization i know but from my experience I tend to, I don't know whether it's a logical mind that men seem to be able to work through stress sometimes a little easier than some of the women that I know. Yeah, I think, because um, I've done loads of talks on worry and stress and I think um, women in general seem to be born to worry Born mm. 
you know, because it's in our innate nature to worry about your children, it's like a sixth sense. Mm. Um, and that's where ashwagandha is a great herb that anyone could take that helps sleep as well. But it's oh. also, yeah, it helps with anxiety. Um, it's an adaptogen. So it's one of those things that helps balance things out. It's very gentle and even children can take ashwagandha. Oh, that's great. Maybe you mm. could um, um, send these tips to Kim and we can send mm -hmm. them out because um, there was quite a few people that wanted to join this call tonight. So it's really good as reminders for us as well. Yeah. Um, I think um, sleep is a global problem. People not sleeping well, whether it's too much on their mind and especially since the pandemic where many people have suffered, as we mentioned, loss, whether it's yeah. financial, death yeah. of loved ones, and the list goes on. Um, and a lot of screen time through the pandemic. These here are my blue light glasses, blocking glasses. Oh. So <laughs> um, in, I tend to have a lot of work that I need to do in the evening. Um, then I have those on to help protect, but I always, always have my computer off at least an hour before I do go to sleep. Yeah, that's a good tip. You know, minimum, I always tell people minimum one hour. It is a minimum, two. but I tend to be catching up on yeah. and work. <laughs> well, you know, being a solopreneur, you know, it's very yeah. hard and you're a mum as well and a wife. So fitting everything what you in. Can, what you can do for the sleep as well, if you're lucky enough to have a bath, and it may seem very strange, especially when you live in a warm climate, but if you can have an Epsom salt bath, one, you will get the magnesium in through your skin, but it also has the effect of when you come out of the bath, of reducing your body temperature and your body temperature needs to fall a degree before you actually fall asleep. So it's actually helping you sleep. Yeah, that's a wonderful tip. And I love baths and I love the Epsom salts as well. You Sometimes mm. you can feel it sucking out. And, um, so if I go to the next letter, that's another S. That was actually for sunlight. And we spoke about that earlier. But one tip is actually to get outdoors as early as you can in the morning because it helps set your circadian rhythm. Uh, all our systems within the body are working on clocks we have to get those clocks in sync and the best way to do that is to get outside and you can do whatever you like you can go outside and meditate you can go outside with a cup of tea you could walk the dog which if you've got a dog or the cat <laughs> stroke mm -hmm. the cat outside you could even check your emails if that's the first thing that you do when you wake up but it's getting out in sunlight unless it's pouring with rain or well, not sunlight daylight getting outside as early as you can which will help sync those clocks within your body so i would highly recommend that and it's not you know there's a little bit of the vitamin d element in there to, but that could be any time up to two o'clock but with sleep and setting the systems of your body is to get outside first thing wonderful um and then my e stands for equilibrium and um that could be I like equilibrium for me is balance and I'm a Libran. So I like balance <laughs> in life. Um, but that could be through joy, laughter, gratitude, love, all those things that you mentioned as well in the beginning. Um, but that helps create equilibrium. And for me, 
for the world to be a much happier place, it's probably the most important point, um, is finding your own equilibrium and helping others find theirs. Totally agree. That's my motto as well. Once you have um, equilibrium, mm. we have harmony, and with harmony comes peace. And, yeah. you know, we're here with the women's group, and I feel when women are empowered and they have um, harmony and equilibrium, then they're more um, can go with the flow with teaching and educating their children and passing mm. the wonderful message onto the world. Lots of love to you all. And Christine, thank you so much. For thank you. Tips, thank reminders, you. and just a breath of fresh air today. So just yeah. what we all needed. Yeah.